Today we pause from our regular show and focus on the birth of Jesus. I hope to read through the story of his birth as told by Matthew and Luke. It's a lot, and if you're listening on Revelation Radio, there's a chance I won't finish in the hour I have. If so, you're invited to complete the reading yourself at home. Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is always to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. And at this time of year, we remember his birth and the life he lived, which led to the cross and ultimately to us being reconciled with God and having eternal life. So let's begin in the Old Testament with a couple of verses before we get to Matthew and Luke. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace there shall be no end on David's throne and on his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from that time on, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And now we're going to move forward, and I'm going to try to read Matthew and Luke more or less chronologically as they tell the story. So we're going to start with Luke chapter 1, the whole chapter, verse 1 to 80. Since many have undertaken to set in order a narrative concerning those matters which have been fulfilled among us, even as those, those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having traced the course of all things accurately from the first, to write to you in order, most excellent Theophilus, that you might know the certainty concerning the things in which you were instructed. There was in the day of Days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the priestly division of Abijah. He had a wife of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they both were well advanced in years. Now, while he executed the priest's office before, the God, before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zacharias was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zacharias, because your request has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah." to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to prepare a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, 
How can I be sure of this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. The angel answered him, I'm Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Behold, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that these things will happen, because you didn't believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias, and they marveled that he delayed in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. He continued making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his service were fulfilled, he departed to his house. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus has the Lord done to me in the days in which he looked at me to take away my reproach among men. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, you highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled at the saying and considered what kind of salutation this might be. The angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son and shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. There will be no end to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, seeing I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One, who is born from you, will be called the Son of God. Behold, Elizabeth, your relative also has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing spoken by God is impossible. Mary said, Behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She called out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the voice of your greeting came to my ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of the things which have been spoken to her from the Lord." Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has looked at the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is for generations and generations on those who fear him. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down princes from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 
He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has given help to Israel, his servant, that he might remember mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her house. Now the time that Elizabeth should give birth was fulfilled, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had magnified His mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zacharias after the name of his father. His mother answered, Not so, but he will be called John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who is called by this name. They made signs to the father what he would have him called. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. They all marveled. His mouth was opened immediately and his tongue freed and he spoke, blessing God. Fear came on all who lived around them. And all these sayings were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them laid them up in their heart, saying, What then will this child be? The hand of the Lord was with him. His father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been from old. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy toward our fathers, to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, should serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the dawn from on high will visit us, to shine on those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child was growing and becoming, a, becoming strong in spirit, and was in the desert until the day of His public appearance to Israel. Matthew 1, 18-25 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was like this. After his mother Mary was engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, intended to put her away secretly. But when he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, don't be afraid to take yourself, Mary, as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall give birth to a son. You shall name him Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. Now all this happened that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall give birth to a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted, God with us. Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife to him and didn't know her until she had given birth to her firstborn son. He named him Jesus.
Now we return to Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 39. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled. This was the first enrollment made when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to enroll themselves, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to David's city, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David to enroll himself with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him as wife, being pregnant. While they were there, the day had come for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the end. There were shepherds in the same country, staying in the field and keeping watch by night over their flock. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you today in David's city a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This is the sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly army praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill toward men. When the angels went away from them into the sky, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem now and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They came with haste and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the feeding trough. When they saw it, they publicized widely the saying which was spoken to them about this child. All who heard it wondered at the things which were spoken to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, just as it was told them. When eight days were fulfilled for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the days of their purification according to the law of Moses were fulfilled, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons." Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simon. This man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came in the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, that they might do concerning him according to the custom of the law, then he received him into his arms And blessed God, saying, Now you are releasing your servant, Master, according to your word in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light for revelation to the nations, and the glory of your people, Israel. Joseph and his mother were marveling at the things which were spoken concerning him. Simon blessed him and said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which is spoken against. 
Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she had been a widow for about 84 years, who didn't depart from the temple, worshiping with fastings and petitions night and day. Coming up at that very hour, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Him to all those who were looking for redemption in Jerusalem. When they had accomplished all things that were according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Now, I want to pause there a minute before I, I go on. It's, it's interesting, and it's, it's really, I suppose it's not a surprise when we look at uh, this story, even as we see it so far, from the very beginning, we see uh, God's desire that Jesus be um, for the nations, not just for Israel, uh, that he is going to bring peace uh, to, to all. Uh, his kingdom is eternal, it is righteous, it is just, and it is uh, for everyone. Uh, one of the awesome things for us as the church is that we have the opportunity to be part of this great work of reconciliation. So we're, we're celebrating Christmas. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And often, as I've taught about uh, Christmas and we've looked at the scriptures and, and looked at what we're actually remembering here, you know, in Japan, it's a country without a Christian background. So I've often asked people when we would have um, a Christmas gathering and we're going through this story, before we would get there, in the very beginning, I would stop and say, do you know why we're celebrating Christmas? And most people couldn't really tell you. It's like, well, uh, particularly 20 years ago when I first went, it's just rare to find uh, more than a handful of people in a group that could would mention the name Jesus. So most people would say, no, I, I don't really know what Christmas is. I don't know what we're celebrating. I don't know what we're remembering. So what I have done, the way I've described it is, we're really celebrating a birthday, the birth of someone. And I think it's, it's worth considering, why do we celebrate anyone's birthday. Why do we remember somebody's birthday if they're not in your family? Now, I understand why you'd celebrate your children's birthday or your parents' birthday or a close friend's birthday, but why would we celebrate a president's birthday? Uh, why would we celebrate a famous person's birthday? Or why would we, we may not celebrate it, but we remember it. I think that's the key. It's not that it, every birthday is a celebration, but we're remembering. Why do we remember? Whose birthdays do we typically remember? And very quickly, people get it. Oh, well, you know, we, we remember famous people who did something that was appreciated, that was good for a lot of people, that were, they were helpful, uh, they did something worth remembering. So we choose their birthday as an opportunity to remember that person's life and what they accomplished and to uh, not forget I said, exactly. That, that's really what Christmas is. Now, we think of it as a party and a celebration, and there is a, a point to that. I mean, there is a way that we are 
celebrating. But I think this idea of remembering is super important. You know, throughout the Old Testament, over and over again, God reminded the children of Israel to remember. Remember what I have done. I remember who I am. Uh, don't forget, remind your children, remind the next generation. And for us, Christmas is a time when we remember. Now, I don't know that we always do a great job at reminding our children and reminding each other of why. You know, at most churches, you are going to have some kind of Christmas program and we'll walk through the story. But it's not uncommon to have a church walk through the Christmas story or have a living nativity that kind of leaves it with the baby in a manger and say, well, we remember that Jesus was born this day. And that's great. We do need to remember that. But if he was born and didn't accomplish anything in his life, then his life, his birth would not be worth remembering. We wouldn't remember it just because he was born. We remember it because of the life he lived and because of the death he died and because of the meaning that God says that it has. Um, so when we celebrate Christmas, when we remember Jesus's birth, I think we have to remember his life. So in going back to my story in Japan, you know, I often ask, well, whose birthday do you think we're celebrating when we celebrate Christmas? You know, the most common answer that I, I got, particularly when we first went, was Santa Claus. I go, wow. Um, as a, a country, <laughs> America has failed miserably in helping people understand the meaning of Christmas. Uh, we have exported uh, presents, <laughs> Santa Claus, Christmas trees, candy canes, a whole host of uh, ornaments and all this, but we've missed the heart of what Christmas really is. Uh, it, it is a time that we have chosen to remember the birth of Jesus. And I think we, we can't forget that. We can't get away from that. We have to remember ourselves, uh, and we have to remind our children. And it is much like uh, recently I was reading uh, in the Old Testament, and you remember when Joshua led the children of Israel across the Jordan to uh, their new land, the promised land, uh, to Canaan. He had uh, a member of each tribe pick up a stone from the bottom of the, the river, and they made this monument on the other side, and it was a marker. And that marker, in and of itself, it, it was just rocks from the bottom of the river, there was nothing special about those rocks when they were lying in the bottom of the river. But when those men selected those rocks and hoisted them onto their shoulders and walked them out of the river and made this monument, set it up, then suddenly they have a meaning. It's not just a rock from the river. Now, this monument was a memorial, a reminder and the children of Israel were told, when your children come upon this, when they see it, and they ask, why is that there? Here's what you tell them. Tell them about God. 
the God who saves, the God who delivers. Tell them about Egypt. Tell them about Pharaoh. Uh, Tell them about the plagues. Tell them about wandering in the desert. Tell them about God's uh, consistent care for His people as He provided food, as He provided water. They were challenged to use this monument, these rocks, as an opportunity to, to teach your children about God. And as we're going through this today and as we're going through this Christmas season, let me remind you and challenge you, what is this? Um, I think to a large extent, all of the things we do are a lot like those rocks in the bottom of the river. Your Christmas tree is just a, just a tree. We can attach some kind of purpose to it, but it's just a tree. But it's an opportunity. This whole season is an opportunity to remind ourselves, to remind our children, and to share with others that God is. That God has interceded in history for a reason and in the form of a person. And that person is Jesus. And what this season is, is a reminder that He came in the flesh. God came in the flesh. I think that's really important. You know, we read in Hebrews chapter 4 that we have a high priest that understands our weaknesses. We have a high priest that was tempted like we are, but he didn't sin, which meant that he was able to be that perfect sacrifice and open up the way for us to pray, to actually talk to God. So we've just read... Um, as we looked at Zacharias here, you know, he went into the temple and he offered this incense, but everyone else had to wait outside. Now, can you imagine that? Uh, you have to take your request to someone else, someone who goes to God for you. That's not what we have today. Why is that? Well, that is because of Jesus. That's why we're remembering this story. That's why we put up a Christmas tree and give each other gifts. Uh, It's a monument. Now, it's easy to forget what the monument's for or to not take advantage of the opportunity. You know, there could have been men, even in Israel, that walked by the monument and their kids said, what's that? And parents said, yeah, it's a long story. (laughs) I can see that happening. But it's an opportunity every time. The question is, do we take the opportunity? Are we willing to let that stone of remembrance (laughs) that we put down... uh, the Christmas trees, the ornaments, the pile of presents, the things that we do, do we let them be reminders for us? And do we look for that opportunity then to share with others what God has done? And that's, that's really our challenge this year. So we're going to take a short break and come back, and then we'll pick up the rest of the story. And it looks like I probably have time to finish the whole story today. So we'll come back and move on to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. 